0: Welcome back to the Big Sky Podcast Network Power Rankings. Man, stumbling right out the gate, dudes. Welcome to week six of the Big Sky Podcast Network Power Rankings, presented by Tubbs of the Club and Snake River Stampede Canadian Whiskey. I'm your host, Brian Marceau. You guys know the drill at this point. So the Power Rankings rank the Big Sky teams 12 through 1. Voters are a mix of Big Sky Podcast Network contributors like myself, like Dallas, like Brent Wahlberg from Grizzvan We also have Big Sky area beat reporters guys like colton juana sometimes contribute and andrew, andrew houghton trevin pixley people covering the league who are knowledgeable then we we just know a handful of other guys who are pretty good football wise with the big sky so put that together that's our voters the rankings are just the summed total of each individual slot we present them mostly to talk about the actual teams which is to say not going to talk about like actual slots that much and this week because we only had three games to talk about meaning only six of the 12 teams played the episode should be on the shorter side because we're there's some teams there's just no reason to really talk about. But with that said, guys, we're gonna jump right in to a team we're not really we can talk about a little bit. Hey, Cal Poly holds serve at 12. Uh Cal Poly hosted University of Idaho, the number FCS number three University of Idaho Vandals in San Luis Obispo. And Cal Poly lost 42 to 14. Cal Poly. Uh, that's more or less in line. A, you know, a blowout loss is what virtually anyone would have expected from this game, uh, from the Cal Poly end. Um, Bo Kelly starts. Sam Howard still on the shelf. Uh, don't know because there's not a ton of reporting that comes out of Cal Poly football. It's it's not clear if Sam Howard is still out due to concussion protocol, which is why he missed the pr- previous week's game. But Bo Kelly started in his place. Bo Kelly goes 24 45 for 262 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, could have easily thrown five picks. Uh there's a handful of of easy picks Idaho dropped, including the two they, they grabbed. So uh do hold that asterisk of uh two picks. I, I would not call that reflective of the accuracy of Bo Kelly throughout this game. Though to Bo Kelly's credit, Cal Poly dropped a ton of passes, probably eight or so, uh, which is a long hey, that's just a long way of saying. Cal Poly continues to not be particularly good uh, on the ground. Cal Poly did what they do, which is not rush the ball at all. Rushed 22 times for 41 total yards. Yeah, Bo Kelly lost six yards, uh, including on some sacks, but 22 rushes for 41 yards. Even if we take away what Bo Kelly did, that's 16 rushes for 31 yards. That's on par with what Cal Poly does on the year. The average 2.5 ish yards per carry because Cal Poly can run against absolutely no one. That did not change against Idaho. And uh, defensively, uh, Cal Poly gave up 421 yards to an Idaho team that played second string guys for a huge amount of the second half. So uh, what is there to take away from Cal Poly getting throttled by Idaho? Man, I I don't know if Cal Poly has a win left on their schedule, which is honestly that's going to be the story for for Cal Poly for the rest of the year. The team's not very good. They do have uh, after look th- this week. They played uh, they played Idaho, obviously, just referenced that. Next week, Cal Poly plays Montana State. So uh that's a rough two weeks for the Mustangs. After those two, there are a few theoretically winnable games for Cal Poly. They're they're gonna host Northern Colorado on October 21st, and they close the season out hosting Weber state uh, who we'll get to later. So uh, are there potential wins on the schedule for Cal Poly? Yeah, maybe two at max. Uh, The thing I'm, if I'm a Cal Poly fan, what I'm taking away from the Idaho game is uh, Idaho's in year two of its rebuild Cal Poly, depending on how you choose to count is in year three or four kind of depends on what you want to understand the COVID year as being. And Cal Poly has miles to go uh, to becoming respectable. So i Rough outing for Cal Poly, which is what they're going to have. Maybe what you view Cal Poly for the rest of the year is playing Northern Colorado later and then Weber State to close the year is their version of uh, the playoffs of just the Terror of a round robin playoffs against the Terror of against not very good teams, the big sky. Uh, but I, don't, I truly think hey, we're more than halfway through the year for Cal Poly. I don't think there's really that much else to interpret for this team. They're not talented. They can't stop anyone defensively. They can't accrue yards through the air, but that's it. They can't run. So this is a team that can't stop anyone who needs to score a lot of points, but can only pass to do so. And they don't have particularly great receivers. So there we go. Cal Poly moving on. Number 11, Northern Colorado did not play this week. No real update on Northern Colorado rankings wise, because they shouldn't be. But as far as uh, scheduling, next week, Northern Colorado is going to host Sacramento State, who appears way higher up in the rankings. Uh, I would expect Sacramento State is going to use this as a tune-up game after the Hornets narrowly beat NAU last week. Moving on from our number 11 team, a number 10 team who did not play as well, Idaho State. No real update this week, Idaho State is going to be hosting Eastern Washington. And let us let me pause and just hit the standings for, for the teams we have covered so far. So Cal Poly 0-3 in Big Sky play, 2-4 on the year, with their two wins coming against San Diego and NAIA Lincoln. So no good wins for Cal Poly at all. Uh, Northern Colorado, who we blew through, no wins to speak of. 0-2 in conference, 0-5 on the year. And Idaho State, they're 1-4 on the season, one and one in conference. Uh, their win, their Idaho State's win came over Northern Colorado. Off the Northern Colorado game, um, Idaho State was frisky against Montana in Missoula, losing twenty-eight twenty. So Bengals do look like they're of the three garbage of the three awful teams in the big sky that idaho state is clearly the one shown the most life but we have no real update on them this week so moving on to another team we have no update on this week top five portland state your your favorite vikings sit at two and three on the season one and one in big sky conference play uh Again, no real update for for Portland State. They have one game in Big Sky that seems to kind of matter. They murdered Cal Poly. Put up fifty nine points, uh, but yeah, the, you're the Vikings are what I. The only thing I want to talk about with Portland State with how where we're at in the Big Sky season because you know, we're we're si- we're more than halfway through the season now or we're past the midpoint of the season. It's a twelve week season, eleven games have played, so we six weeks are done. We're entering week seven and Portland state. It's still hard to know how to quantify them as anything beyond not very good. Their big sky games are having murdered Cal Poly 59 to 21 in Portland. And then in Bozeman losing 38 to 22 to to Montana state in a game that I don't think was actually as close as 38, 22 would lead you to believe, uh, but whatever I I'm done talking about Portland state uh, in the comments section. Yeah, Patty Firk saying I I gotta watch like no football yesterday, talking about just three big sky games, uh, which yeah, Patty, that was weird. I looked at the rest of the schedule for the for the entire season, and we don't there are no big sky uh, weeks like this where half the league's on by. The rest of the the rest of the season schedule looks a little bit more normal. Of course, there's gonna be a, it's not gonna be six games every week because there are teams that are gonna cycle cycle out of the rotation to get there by and then kevin marshall comment section very interested to see this sorry i didn't get in on time had to run out for miss marshall you know what, kevin who, uh kevin runs fcs nation radio it's a uh, our favorite national fcs show to watch uh you know what we forgive you dude Th- thanks for thanks for jumping in the comment section jumping jumping back into the t- into the actual rankings getting away from top five portland state we have at number eight Weber State and I okay here, here's something that I'm gonna talk about Portland State for one more second. I know we don't use this to really like fuss about the number slot a team lands in, but I'm I'm starting to understand Weber State's as as being closer to that triumphant of Cal Poly, Northern Colorado, and Idaho State than I am the mid-tier of the conference, including Portland State. Uh, I did I didn't vote on Weber State this high, but that's because. Weaver State, Weaver State's reeling off the for the last three weeks. Look, so the Wildcats on on Saturday, the Wildcats go down to Northern Arizona, hosting Northern Arizona. Weaver State goes down 27 to 10. And if I'm a Weaver State fan, man, am I anxious about the progress of this team. The Weaver State was shut out in the second half. So they scored all 10 of their points in the first half. They were down 20 to 10 the first half after giving up 20 points to NAU in the second quarter and then more or less uh, Weber State was unable to was unable to really do anything offensively and you guys you, you have to watch Weber State to understand how bad they are, which is wild to consider. Weber State's head coach Mickey Mental, former offensive coordinator at Weber State. that's why that was where he got promoted from. The Wildcats gained 180 total yards against northern air against northern arizona 119 through the air on 19 of 30 passing including two picks and 61 on the ground on 24 rushes for two and a half yards per carry you have to be asking at this point what can weber state do offensively at all and the answer is if you watch the game which i watched a bit of it it's vanishingly little kylan weiser uh, who I've said on, on the show multiple times, not to put down to the dude, I think he's probably the worst starting quarterback in the big sky, uh, going 19 of 30 for 119 yards. That's right, 30 pass attempts to get to 119 yards. So not even four yards per passing attempt accrued this game for Weiser. And you now if you watch the team, this stat line for Weiser shouldn't be shocking whatsoever because just look at look at what the play calls are for Weber State. It is virtually nothing but short passes out of Weiser. The few times that the dude throws it deep, he misses by a ton. Honestly, the the biggest deep play threat for Weber State right now is a pass interference call, which hey, the Wildcats did pick up a couple of those against NAU. So, uh, big good job, Wildcats. But if you watch what is called in the pass game, Weiser essentially only throws short balls and checkdowns. Opposing defenses have figured this out by now. Weber State does want to run the ball, but Weber State doesn't have an offensive line like a, you know, like a school like Montana or even a school like Eastern Washington or Idaho. So Weber isn't going to be that effective rushing against teams who are not catastrophes when every single opposing defensive coordinator knows there's just nothing to be concerned about with with Weber State breaking bigger plays. So what is left? well what's left is 180 yards against northern arizona the the other issue for the wildcats is look defensively weber state i'm not they're not a, the catastrophe that they are on the offensive side of the ball but they're the, this is not the same weber state defense we've seen for the last couple seasons the loss of Jay hill and some of the talent seems to have hurt weber state but the the regression offensively is maybe the biggest curveball out of weber state this year and what gives the, this defense so little margin for error it's virtually it's virtually impossible for weber state to look solid against any team that's not terrible you look at weber state's last 3 weeks the weber state 3 week 3 weeks ago weber state lost 40 to 0 hosting montana then needed a pick six in the fourth quarter to pull out a 28-21 win at Northern Colorado against our number 11 out of 12 teams the Big Sky Podcast Network rankings Northern Colorado Bears and then this week losing 27 to 10 the the Wildcats are they're they're reeling I don't know how else to describe them they they sit 3 and 3 on the year but that's a BS 3 and 3 one of the wins came against um D2 Western Oregon or D, no, sorry D2 Central Washington the Wildcats sit at 1 and 2 in conference with a narrow again their win was a narrow win over a bottom feeder so if I'm Weaver State, I'm honestly, look, I don't know what they do. I, I don't know how to possibly keep starting Kylan Weiser, who right now the dude's 53.3% completion percentage, two thrown touchdowns, seven picks on the year. If that is, I don't, I don't know how you, the backup could possibly not be as good as what Weiser's doing, but mental hasn't, hasn't gone into the bullpen yet. So obviously that lets you know the confidence he has, but what I'm going to say about Weber state from this point, if this is, if Weiser truly gives them the most dynamic offense that they, they can have, there's no prayer. This team finishes 500 in conference. Absolutely. No way. This it's astonishing to see how far Weber state looks like they've fallen in just one season, but Hey, just on the year talking about conference only stats, Weber state is the, number 11 scoring team, 19 points per game on the season. Offensively, they're the number 12 in total offense on the season, averaging 265.2 yards per game total. As a reference point, if an average Big Sky team held a defense to 265 yards per game, we have a term for that. It's the best defense in the league and maybe the best defense in the nation. So essentially what Weber State the, the Hill that Weber state has to, has to deal with each week. No no pun intended on that J Hill reference is their, their offense is going to make the opposing defense look like a top five defense in the nation, no matter what. So that's the margin of error we're talking about with Weber state. So uh, the wildcats this coming week. Well, man, I, I gotta say, I'm, I am taken aback by how far Weber state has regressed in one year. Cause I mean, again, it's been, I've I've talked about the update of the three teams in the big sky conference that have new coaches. Uh, We have Cal poly who we just talked about with Paul Wolf. They're essentially the same team uh, as they have, as they were last year with Bo Baldwin. Uh, We have Sacramento state who we'll talk about for a little bit later, but broadly speaking, Sacramento state looks like a slightly worse, but similar version of the team last year. Weber State is the one who's taken a huge step back and this this week Weber State is going to host UC Davis, a reeling UC Davis team who we'll talk about in a second. For maybe this is the Big Sky Bowl of the two most disappointing teams on the season cuz look Montana had been the team we talked about kind of week in week out as being underwhelming. Uh Montana Montana's ahead of Weber State. There's no, there's no question. There's some similarities, but Weber State they are kind of on their own uh in how how a team that was projected early on as potentially playoffs team made the playoffs last year. That's not close to what Weber state ha- has this season. Moving on from Weber state, we have number seven, UC Davis and hey, spoiler alert. Number six is Montana. So we, we're going to talk about the UC Davis, Montana game interchangeably before we get there. Hitting shows show sponsor, snake river, stampede, Canadian whiskey. There's there's no look the Snake River has two different whiskeys. You can't go wrong either way. If you get the standard Snake River Stampede, it's twenty five ninety five in Idaho State liquor stores. Double barrel finish of first fill bourbon then Oloroso sherry casks. It's to me maybe the single best dollar dollar per ounce dollar per shot. However you want to however you want to do the math on that, it's the best buy in the Idaho State liquor stores at the intersection of price and quality. Now, if you want to take a step up, you want to celebrate a nice nicer win. Something Weber State fans probably aren't going to be doing this year. Get the Snake River Stampede 1915 Small Batch Edition. It's aged an extra two years. Its double barrel finish is first fill bourbon and then ex-Canadian whiskey casks or ex-Canadian rye whiskey casks. You can't go wrong either way. If you haven't given Snake River a shot, do it this week. So number seven, UC Davis. Hosted University of Montana. This seemed like a relatively big week for Davis, and of course, hey, after throw this asterisk in, Land Larison, the best or second best running back in the Big Sky, missed another game for Davis. That absolutely matters for what for what Dan Hawkins wants to do. But in in this game, it was look, it was competitive with Montana for essentially the entire game. Early on, UC Davis looked like they were going to. Halfway through the the first and into the early second quarter, UC Davis looked like they were going to be able to run away with this game. Montana stabilized. UC Davis goes down 31 to 23. Bigger deal for the Aggies is only three second half points. So 20 in the first half, three total in the second half. The UC Davis offensive end, Miles Hastings throws 46 times, goes 31 to 46 for 359 yards and two touchdowns, uh, leading rusher on the game. And this is really what killed Davis. Now, hey, credit to Montana. For stifling Davis on the ground, 25 rushes or 76 yards on the game for Davis. But leading rusher was Jordan Fisher, 17 carries for 57 yards. The previous week, Trent Tompkins had been the top rusher for, for UC Davis. Uh, Tompkins only had two carries for five yards. So Jordan Fisher was the go-to guy. He was bottled up radically compared to what what uh, the Aggies had been getting out of prior to this week. Top receiver for UC Davis, Chaz Davis, five catches, 74 yards, one touchdown. Josh Gale adds four catches for 71 yards as well. Team stats, the, the Aggies, they outgained Montana. Look, this was, this was a competitive game. It's a one score game that uh, Montana was able to kneel out at the end, but Davis absolutely had the ball at the end with a chance to eventually, uh, well, Davis had a chance to tie the game late. Overall, Look, Montana gains 424 yards, Davis 435 yards, you know, relatively neck and neck there. Uh turnovers, it was two to two for both teams. Both ter- each team lost two fumbles. Time of possession was 30 minutes, 14 seconds for Montana, 29 minutes, 46 seconds for Davis. So pr- pretty tight in essentially every every facet of this game. Davis just comes out on the wrong end in the comment section. Uh Patty Furks says if if he meaning land Larrison plays Davis rolls this game, in my opinion, Ron Lowney saying without their top two running backs, UC Davis isn't going to beat the better teams. No pushback whatsoever, Ron. And then Patty Furks again, Hastings seems like he can only really do the old death by a thousand paper cuts approach. Big plays are needed to beat the, that Montana defense, their DBs tackle real well. And Hey, Patty, you're right. I mean, the, the miles Hastings MO is a little bit more shorter to intermediate passes. He, he does take a couple strikes, but, uh, Miles Hastings I don't know if last season it was that in the big sky in 2022 quarterback play was relatively speaking down compared to previous years and Hastings was first team all big sky last year, but I, I feel like Hastings has been solid this year, but has certainly not looked like the kind of guy that you say right away like hey that's a all big sky. That's an all-big sky quarterback right there. Ron Loney saying they, meaning UC Davis, fumbled the game away in the red zone in the final minute. Thank you, Ron Loney, for adding that. Uh, <coughs> KP Marshall saying Patrick, and he talks about non-big sky games. So I'm going to move on to UC Davis, but the the Aggies, they're look they they've looked a little bit disappointing to relative to what I believe that a lot of people thought about UC Davis heading into this year that. The Aggies on the season, they sit at three and three, one and two in big sky play. And they're like, hey, to UC Davis' is credit, none of the wins the Aggies have do not count for the playoffs. So their three wins are all over FCS teams. The problem is the Aggies don't have a win over anyone who looks like they're close to OK. They've beaten Texas AM Commerce and Cal Poly. There's also a win the Aggies picked up over Southern Utah, but hey, Southern Utah right now, they're two and four on the year. Uh, with their two wins over Western Illinois and Tarleton State, neither of those teams exactly lighting the world on fire. So, UC Davis with no good wins on the year, uh, three losses already. And the kind of the two show me games that UC Davis has are losses hosting Eastern Washington, now a loss hosting Montana. The law, lo- having Land Larson go down, that might have been what what really lost that game for UC Davis against Eastern and, you know, Flareson plays in this game. I bet it's a bit different, but dude, we're halfway through the season. Every team is going to have injury issues at this point. So what, what we have in material terms is Davis in two games at home against a uh, good, but not great big sky teams. The Aggies have found a way to lose. I mean, the, the good news for Davis is their next four weeks, if a team's going to have momentum the their weeks are kind of set up for that they have Weber State coming on October 14th so this Saturday then the bye week and ho- then they travel to NAU on October on um, for uh, October 28th so if the look if Aggies can pick up the two wins there playoff consideration is not off, off the table for them but they're they're going to have to beat a couple good teams to I think to sneak into playoffs cuz right now if on paper the next chance for a re- a true good win comes against sac state last week of the season. We'll see what happens with NAU over the next couple of weeks uh, whether they move up in the polls or not. But until NAU considered a good win for playoffs, it's not. So if I'm Davis, I'm if I'm a Davis fan, I'm a little frustrated. Um minus the Texas A&M commerce game, Davis offensively, which hey, that's kind of, Dan Hawkins is known a little bit more as an offensive coach than a defensive coach for sure. Davis hasn't been particularly spectacular overall offensively highest scoring output so far minus Texas A&M commerce is 31 points. If you want to look at big sky rankings overall in total offense, Davis is towards the top. They've they're number four in total offense accrued 390 yards per game. But in terms of turning that into actual points they're dead, right around dead center of the league, 26 points per game. And I just don't think this Davis team is going to be good enough to be uh I don't think this Davis team is going to be able to continue scoring in that 26 to 31 range and pick up the kind of wins to get into the playoffs or to be the kind of team we thought they were. So until then, uh, UC Davis, to me, they're in the mid-tier of the Big Sky Conference. And I I think you can safely understand them as being in the bottom half of the mid-tier. Moving on from UC Davis, now we talk about Montana, number six. And from Montana, and I think the Grizzlies are one of the one of the most up and down teams to talk about in the Big Sky. It, it's hard to have a strictly sober discussion about Montana, and I don't I don't actually care again about the fan base expectations, that stuff, or online chatter. I, that is completely irrelevant. How I understand Montana Grizzlies is that the Grizzlies, after beating UC Davis thirty one to twenty three, that moves the Grizzlies up to five and one on the season, four and one. For playoff purposes and two and one in big sky play, it's more that the style points Montana's accrued getting to that four and one against FCS teams His uh, well, it, it hasn't really looked great because offensively, Montana, it, it's taken them the last two weeks to figure out what that offensive identity is. And now, hey, Clifton McDowell is the starting quarterback. He's the running quarterback. What this team is going to do is going to try to run the ball. And Clifton McDowell throws almost exclusively short to like his long passes for the most part are intermediate passes. The dude just doesn't have a particularly great arm. Even on his short passes, you can – I truly have this – I have this PTSD experience from being an Idaho fan watching Mason Petrino play. When Clifton McDowell throws, it's exactly like when Mason Petrino did. You, could, you can feel yourself think. As his his short passes loft to intended receivers on quickly developing plays, so it's at least an identity because for the first handful of weeks, even while picking up wins against not great uh, FCS teams, uh, looked like Montana didn't know exactly who they were offensively. Hitting the hitting a little more of the box score for this game, uh, Montana, Clifton McDowell quarterback goes. 18 to 32 for 243 yards and three touchdowns. Here's what I'm concerned about a little bit. If I'm Montana, the team rushed 39 times for 181 yards and a touchdown, not, not awful figures. The issue, the thing I'm, I'm anxious about is these rushing totals are buttressed by an 85 yard touchdown run by Eli Gilman. You take out that 85 yard run. This Montana team rushed 36 times for 96 yards. That's, uh, we we have a word for that. It's not particularly good, but it was, look, it was enough for the win today. Montana said gained around 420 yards on the, on the ground. If I'm a Grizz fan, I guess defensively is maybe where I'm a little bit more, I feel a little bit better about this Grizzly team after the UC Davis game because Montana was much more effective at getting to the court, at getting to Miles Hastings, making him get, making Miles Hastings have to kind of rush passes, making him be clearly under duress. Yes, uh, UC Davis gave Montana a lot of shots to do that by calling almost 50 pass plays. But one of the issues for Montana, look there, as Patty Firk said, Montana's cornerbacks, they, they do tackle pretty well. Montana's secondary does, does bring bring guys down pretty well. So hey, credit to them. Bobby Houck likes to bring in safeties, or also likes to he runs a 3-3-5, but likes to blitz quite a bit out of that 3-3-5 to give kind of atypical blitz looks or to have the, the pressure coming from uh surprising locations for for the offense. Montana was not particularly effective to me when I saw them play earlier this year, minus like Utah Tech being a catastrophe at getting to the quarterback, in particular those for the first two big Sky games, NAU and Idaho State, where Montana went one and one uh losing 28-14 to NAU and then beating Idaho State 28-20. But uh this week Montana was better at getting to the quarterback so maybe maybe this Montana team has weathered the initial storm after losing to NAU and looking not that great against Idaho State and stabilized as a again they're I think they're a solid big sky team. I think they're in that mid tier but I'm I'm fine putting them above UC Davis based off what, what we saw. Keep in mind uh, this was a home game for davis and montana still came away with the win um i i don't think we should overrate what this game was for montana because again you see davis looks well, they look okay uh, but and this was a narrow win over an okay team that could very easily have gone into overtime as ron, ron Lowney brought up earlier had davis not fumbled but the grizz picked up the win it's the first on paper uh, potentially good win of the year for montana which they'll Hey, they're, they're still thinking playoffs. They've got four D one wins. So halfway through the season with four D one wins, you only have to play a 500 ish ball to get around, uh, to get to that seven win threshold that often big sky teams use to get into the playoffs. So takeaways from Montana, we at least know what this team wants to do now. Offensively, they're going to run the ball a decent amount and they're going to throw short passes. That's it. Uh, and Clifton, they're gonna have to ride with Clifton McDowell. You are gonna see design runs for the quarterbacks as well, because though McDowell can't throw the ball that well, and I don't think he's a particularly fast running quarterback. He's he's a strong, tall dude, so he can be be tough to bring down. You understand how he could be a weapon as as a rusher. In the comment section, we have Patty Furk saying their defense is built on forcing quick throws and tackling well. Yeah, that's see, that's what I was trying to get to, Patty. Is against UC Davis, Montana was able to get to Miles Hastings, make him make quick, mostly short throws. And then their their DBs were were effective at bringing guys down. So you, Patty, thank you for that that comment. That's exactly what I saw as well. Ron Lowney saying Montana State will hold the Grizzlies to less than one yard per rush. Uh, we're going to see because I guess that's the other other takeaway from Montana is at least what they're calling now is in line with what their offensive line can can block for. Because in in the earlier weeks with Sam Vidlack, clearly this is a team that can't do what. They're not great at, at pass blocking in particular, if the other team is clear on pass blocking, taking case. So calling shorter passes and a handful of play action passes as well. Uh, that to me is it's, it's the right thing. It's what Montana probably should have been doing from week one. I don't know why they did not did not give Sam Vidlack that chance, but I think Montana now knows what their identity is as a team. And this is just what we're going to see out of the Grizzlies. And my takeaway is whatever, the noise you hear about Montana, whether it's a team shouldn't be top 25 or, you know, what what you might hear from Montana messaging, just ignore it. This is a solid big sky team right in line with around Eastern Washington, probably a little, little bit below Sacramento state, pretty close to UC Davis. The end moving from Montana, the last team that we actually saw in action this week, Northern Arizona and Northern Arizona, guys, we I think we have to readjust on how we're talking about the Lumberjacks. Uh Lumberjacks had a pretty I I thought it was a pretty easy win over Weber State. I mean they they shut the they shut Weber State out in the second half, win 27 to 10. Quarterback Adam DeMonte goes 25 of 31 for 183 yards, one touchdown, one pick for the most part. What you saw out of DeMonte passing wise was a decent amount of short passes. I mean, not that different from what I just talked about with Clifton McDowell, except Adam DeMonte is clearly a more effective passer. He's much more of a threat for intermediate strikes. do not worry too much about super deep passes from Adam DeMonte at this point, but aided on the ground by 21 rushes by Devon Starling, by running back Devon Starling for 94 yards, and then Angel Flores, six carries for 52 yards and two touchdowns. So that's look, that's tail of the tape in this game. And additionally, though, I mean, NAU holding Weber to 180 total yards, it's hard. To, I I'm not going to say that Weber did what they did because Northern Arizona is the most electric defense in the Big Sky. I think it. I think that is much more statement about what Weber State cannot do than what Northern Arizona can do. But we do have to start giving some credit to to Northern Arizona. They're they played good for 14 quarters now in a row, dating back to that Utah tech loss. So that's essentially all of big sky play plus a couple of corners of out of conference play. Northern Arizona has looked like a stronger team than, than we thought. Hey, we have the number five total offense in the league in Northern Arizona, mix that with the number six total defense in the league. What you have is just an overall, like a pretty solid northern arizona lumberjacks team i i think we have enough data on northern arizona at this point that we can say this team is what we've seen the last 14 quarters is who northern arizona is it just took them about two and a half games to figure out what for chris ball to figure out exactly what he wanted to do Uh, and what northern arizona did offensively was look relatively efficient six yards per pass but 26 of 32 on overall completion that's Pretty dang solid. They're able to, Northern Arizona was able to do mostly what they wanted to do, which is, like I said, they throw short passes, hope that their receivers can stretch those into a little bit more. Uh, but I wouldn't call Adam DeMonte like a big play ty- type of quarterback. I, I don't mean this in pejorative. He has a little bit of game manager in him of, hey, you know, pick up a little bit, pick up some yards rushing, complete short short to intermediate passes. It's important for Chris Ball to keep NAU away from third and long because I don't think DeMonte is, I think DeMonte is like a mid-level big sky quarterback One certainly wouldn't put him anywhere near a guy like Giovanni McCoy right now. I, I don't know if I'd put it. I don't think I'd put him above Caden Bennett at Sacramento state. Certainly would not put him anywhere near like Kiko of at Eastern Washington, but he's effective for what NAU needs to do. And the lumberjacks, like I said, it's uh three and a half games now of looking solid. So for NAU, uh, it's only two wins. That's the other weird thing to talk about NAU. Let's let's contrast NAU and Montana, where NAU is above Montana in the rankings. Not shocking. You know, NAU beat Montana, but Montana is, you know, four and one in, in FCS games or division one games. And the the understanding of what Montana was was pretty negative, you know, in terms of public persona this last week. And then you know, win over UC Davis seems to change that. NAU's, NAU's got two wins on the year. They're they're two and four. And with a, they have a win over Weber State and Montana, two teams who are not, they're not as good wins as the names suggests of, of Montana and Weber State. But Montana, for, like if we're talking playoffs at this point, Montana, they're top 25. That's an objectively good win for a playoff resume. Uh, Weber State, I think by the end of the year will not be considered a good win. But the Lumberjacks, its the, the weird part of understanding them is I feel like the energy around Northern Arizona is quite positive relative to the team having two total wins, but that's what happens when look, they sit at two and one in big sky play and could very easily be three and Oh, they uh, they lost at Sacramento state by one point. That's three consecutive weeks in big sky play of looking like a competitive team. I think that's just who Northern Arizona is exactly in line with what I talk about with their offensive and defensive ranks overall, number five, total offense, number six, total defense. That's a team that is not spectacular in any facet of the game on either side of the ball, but they're, they're broadly speaking. Pretty solid in both areas too. We you know, NAU can run and they can beat you through the air a little bit. They're also solid, uh, they're also, you know, solid to okay, both against the pass, against the rush in big sky play. And that's hey, that's an okay team that probably isn't gonna make the playoffs, but I bet they'll be in discussion for the playoffs if they can pick up another couple wins. And to uh that now that's the final big sky team we have to talk about. That was in action. So for before we move on to some of the other teams. Uh got to talk about Tap to Keg at University of Idaho October 13th. This week, that's Friday from 3:30 to 7:30 p.m. at the Dan O'Brien track and field complex. It's a University of Idaho Oktoberfest. And hey, if you're a Grizz or you're a Vandal, dude, come to the events. It's going to be fun no matter what team you're supporting. We're going to have Oktoberfest inspired beers, seltzers, and ciders, Oktoberfest inspired food vendors. It's going to be live music. It's 40 bucks a ticket. You want to get yours? Go to go.uidaho.edu backslash tap the keg moving from nau now to our top four we've got eastern washington by week but the the only thing i want to bring up here is as, as far as understanding eastern washington compared to the rest of the big sky i think um look we just saw uc davis lose to montana and montana's top 25 eastern washington's top 25 i think understanding eastern as being in in this category of probably you should understand them i think qualitatively below sacramento state but in sorting out what the rest of the big sky is for the remainder of the season we we know we have montana and idaho who will hit as their own tier sacramento state seems like their own tier in between below idaho montana state but above the rest and then the middle of the conference where the top team in the middle of the conference They might sneak into the playoffs, but if you're not the top team, you're probably not going to that middle tier is Eastern, Washington, Montana. You probably got to throw Northern Arizona in there. And I'd say UC Davis, but UC Davis has a couple losses against some of those mid tier teams. So um, Eastern to me, I think having them as the top of that mid tier is, is the right spot. Uh, Kakoa Vesperis will hopefully for the Eastern he's back because, you know, last week when we saw them in action, Vesperis was out with a thumb injury. We'll see what happens this week for the uh, for the Eagles, who, again, our only update on the on Eastern is that they they do play this week. They're on by. They're going to travel to Pocatello to play Idaho State. And that now, again, that's a frisky Idaho State team. It's an Idaho State team that relies on the pass. Eastern relative defensive strength is a secondary. If you're a gambling man, I'd gamble on Eastern. Moving on from. Uh, number four eastern washington we have number three sacramento state who i think they were kind of the beneficiaries of this bye week in terms of understanding who they w- are within the conference uh, with how you UC- with how Weber state is face planting out of that mid-tier now davis has a couple losses against the mid-tier and sacramento state hey it was a close it was a close win but sacramento state did beat northern arizona that's why I think it's safe to understand these guys as being something different than the rest of the conference. Now, going over to conference rankings for your Sacramento State Hornets, hashtag Hornets up uh, this Sacramento State offensively. They, they're they steady, if not spectacular. They're the number four scoring team in the big sky, at 32 points per game. But ha- haven't had a game where they score over. They haven't broken the 40, the 40 mark yet. But they've also they also score steadily right around thirty. I think their lowest 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 scoring output of the season for Sacramento State was in the win over Stanford. So, they, they, like I said, they're steady. They consistently score right around that thirty range. Uh, and then defensively, Sacramento State, which hey Andy Thompson's head coach, they're a def- he's a defensive oriented guy. They've got the number four. Scoring defense in the big sky. Keep in mind, there's no D. There's no real D two games unless you want to understand Texas A and M Commerce as potential D two as a uh, D two esque or a D two level team. But they're also number four in yards allowed per game. So it hey, just steady at Sacramento. they in, in some ways to me they're like a, an apex version of NAU of if I just said, hey, NAU was solid but not spectacular and a lot of stuff. Just make NAU a little bit better offensively, a little bit better defensively. That's what we're talking about with Sacramento State. They can they're pretty good through the air they they prefer they're a team that likes to run the ball first and defensively they like to get to the quarterback they've been effective at doing that this season in the comment section martin asking does the duster have a friend hanging with him today and no martin that in the background has been there every single week if you are just a listener the duster is a is a de facto co-host and patty first saying idaho state always plays eastern Washington tough in pocatello though dude Hey, no disagreement with you, but bringing up the, just the individual matchup to the team, and I'll say there's three games to talk about. So if I'm talking about another team, I got to talk about something. Moving out of number of th- uh, number three. Look, we're gonna get to our we're gonna get to our top two, and our top two are a class to themselves uh, this season. But before that. Going to talk about Hughes River Expedition show sponsor for quite a long time. And look, if you if you're looking to take any, if you're the kind of person who wants to go on a river expedition trip, you want to see the rapids, you want to see wildlife, you're not going to see otherwise. And in particular, in the state of Idaho, but also in Montana, you wanna you want to get outdoors, experience nature, and have a good good time, have a trip your lifetime that you're going to talk about with your family for years to come. Get a hold of calling at Hughes River. The trips that Hughes River does, whether you're going down the main Salmon River, No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, whether you're going down the Mill Fork of the Salmon, the trips are all inclusive. And this doesn't matter if you're a large group, like you're doing some sort of leadership type of retreat, or if you're a small group, just a family, want a good time. The setup's the same. Just get a hold of Colin at 800-262-1882 or check him out at HughesRiver.com. Look, this is the best company to get a hold of for river trips in the Northwest or in in the, honestly in the nation, but you're talking, but we're we're talking about the big sky. That's mostly Northwest-ish. Get a hold of Colin. Now our top two teams. Idaho was in action. So my bad, that's the final team that was in action this week. Idaho beats Cal Poly 42 to 14. Not a ton to learn from this game because uh, Jason Eck does not try to run the score up against not particularly great football teams. And because of that, Idaho played backups a ton in the second half. Uh, look, the Vandals led 28 to seven at the halfway point. Cruise for a 42 14 win. Outgained Cal Poly 421 to 303. But again, that's with backups. Some of the names for Idaho to pay attention to. And th- hey, this was a big deal to me. Anthony Woods only had the rush uh, 10 times this week 69 yards for Anthony Woods overall, one touchdown. Anthony Woods has been the one of the stories for Idaho. This season, he's the number two overall rusher in the big sky, 110 yards per game, 10 rushing touchdowns on 99 attempts. So all American level performance, but Anthony Woods because of his emergence and and just because again, Jason Eck and Luke Schleisner at Idaho, they've been open about this. They like to be flexible about their play calling relative to what's working relative to the individual matchup. Uh, Hayden Hatton, the, at preseason offensive player of the year in the big sky, he's just not getting the same type of uh, attempts or receptions that you might have thought heading into the season. Now Hatton is still number three in the big sky with 35 catches for 430 yards and two touchdowns. But the story for Idaho this season has been uh, in addition to guys like Giovanni McCoy, just still looking solid. Anthony Woods has just blown up as a top running back in the league. But Hey, in the comment section, Patty Firks also bringing up, Nick Romano as the number 2 rusher for Idaho he's he's taken a big step up too i mean he's averaging 51 51.8 yards per game on the season overall but with Nick Romano what i would point to as being a little bit different are look at his conference stats cuz that the in the OOC Nick Romano was he was not getting the same type of touches he's been getting now Romano's the number 8 rusher in Big Sky play in in the big sky conference, averaging 79 yards per game in conference play. Anthony Woods in conference play at 132.3 yards per game. So that's a story between those two dudes you're having around over 200 yards rushing per game. That's what that's a developmental step out of Idaho that I think virtually no one, uh, expected was going to be the story of Idaho season uh, now Patty Firks in the comments section hey wheat now if you are part of the discord for hashtag OnlyTubs patreon.com back tubs at club you would have known this uh Trey Thomas linebacker they had been playing him in the middle he's been moved back to the outside so like Patty first said, I like the move of Trey Thomas to the rover spot. And that seems like more of his natural position, Patty, that's where he played at South Dakota. So yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, having, having Trey Thomas back is in that natural spot. I think it's going to help Idaho defensively it is going to be in the middle. We're going to, Idaho's going to have some, some freshmen playing for sure, but whatever Idaho has been strong defensively, no real takeaway up for, to me, for this game in Idaho, other than it was a, you saw the ocean of talent between Idaho and Cal Poly and Idaho is in year two. Of its rebuild just an incredible job jason neck and staff have been doing talk about the you know conference stats just to, to contextualize idaho as a team the vandals in con the, the vandals on the season who idaho sits right now at five and one overall their only loss was to pack 12 uc berkeley vandals sit at three and oh in conference they are Idaho has the number three scoring team in the league at 35.7 points per game, but i I'd, I'd throw an asterisk there. I think this is – if Idaho is not the best offensive team in the league in terms of what they can do in a dynamic sense, they're the number two team. And, and defensively, Idaho's number three as well. With, they've allowed 21.8 points per game, but that's against – relatively relative to much of the Big Sky, that's against a tougher schedule in my mind. So I'd, I'd say number three for both of those. Uh, two or one is – in my mind, a safer understanding of what Idaho is. Now our final team to talk about Montana state and look, Montana state does, look, they don't move because why would Montana state or Idaho move? Montana state was off this week. Next week, the Bobcats are going to, they're going to be uh, hosting Cal poly. So uh, essentially back-to-back bye weeks for, for Montana state. Uh, on the season, Montana state, like there there's similar to Idaho as in they're four and one with their only loss being to, to pac 12, Oregon state two and O in conference, Montana state's conference wins include a 40 to zero murdering of Weber state and a 38 to 22 more or less walkthrough hosting Portland state. So honestly, if I'm Montana state, what I'm more looking at is after Cal poly this week, the, uh, Bobcats have back-to-back road games at Sacramento State and at Idaho. If this team can pull can pick up wins in both those games, Sacramento State and Idaho, there's no way Montana State should be anything but a 2 seed in the playoffs. Now, they're going to have to get through those couple games and the second half of the schedule for Montana State is to me rougher than for like school, like university of Idaho, where even after Sac state and Idaho, MSU still has Northern Arizona, Eastern Washington, and Montana. So honestly, that's, that's a bit of a murderous row to close the season of, of Sacramento state, Idaho, NAU, Eastern Montana, but the Bobcats have, they have looked pretty damn good the whole season. They have the number one offense in the big sky. They're the number one rushing team in the nation averaging more than 300 yards rushing per game. They're scoring 40, 42.8 points per game on the season. They also have the number one scoring defense, allowing 16.4 points per game. They have the number one total offense, putting out 504 yards per game, which is incredible considering how everyone knows Montana State is going to run the ball three to, throughout every four plays or so. But Montana State's also got the number one total defense. So look at look at the stat breakdown. Only a loss to Oregon State. They're the number one offense and number number one defense, both in scoring and total total yards. Uh, don't know what to call this other than a team that is essentially, uh, nationally elite. So, Hey, that's your, that's your power rankings this week. Idaho and Montana state are a class of their own in my mind, in the mind of most voters. And then we've got a bit of a mess in the middle with a garbage three that could be, look, I gotta say guys, Weber state could be a garbage fourth team in this league. I I honestly don't know who I'd pick if Idaho state played Weber state today which is incredible to say considering where Idaho state was last year and where Weber state was last year as well, but we'll be back next week. Subs of the club is going to be recording early this week. So the, the main show is going to be Monday tomorrow at 6 45 PM Pacific time. If you're a grizzly fan, Hey, we're previewing Idaho, Montana. So that's 7 45 PM mountain time. Thanks for coming in this week. Uh, help the show by subscribing to the Tubbs of the Club YouTube channel. Look in the comments section. We have Steve Hurt saying, thanks, Brian. See you at the Dome. Steve, I will see you there. We have uh, Ron Lowney saying, we'll be playing our third string. I'm pretty sure Ron Lowney's talking about Montana State. And Lowney saying, number one offensive and defensive lines. Look, hey, maybe that's what I should talk about with Montana State, Ron, is that's part of why this team is as good as they are. They're, they're absolutely, they're huge and athletic both on the offensive line and defensive line. They've got talent at the skill positions. Sean Chambers is doing a fantastic job without Tommy Malott. I mean, spoiler alert, actually, if I were a Montana State fan, I'd rather have Sean Chambers as the starter. But that's why, look, that's why Montana State is where they're at, at number number one in our power rankings. They're number two in the nation. They're Idaho and Montana State. They look like they're neck and neck. The thing you got to cheer for, guys, to me, if you're looking for stories in the big sky – if Idaho and Montana State win out, which for Idaho, that's just this week against Montana. The Vandals are on a bye the week of the 21st. If Idaho and Montana State win out between now and October 28th, to me, the Big Sky Conference Championship is actually being played. It's going to be played in Moscow on October 28th when the Bobcats visit. I already got my tickets. If you want to go to that, get them now. They're not going to last too much longer, especially if Idaho picks up a win. Thanks for coming in this week, guys. I'm going to now, uh, go through our back half of the show so i can call it a night thanks for coming see you next week as always go vandals